have the studios, the lenders, and then you have the circuits. And all three of those are interdependent upon one another to survive. So they're going to survive one way or the other because if one of them goes down, the rest of them go down. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, a trade publication exclusively focused on covering theatrical exhibition, joined today by our deputy editor, Rebecca Polly. Rebecca, I hope I can keep up with your obscure horror movie references as our other co-host, Russ Fisher, enjoys some time off this week. I'm just going to make some stuff up and see if you catch it. I, I never do. I, I, I can never guess. <laughs> Uh, with Christopher Nolan's uh, Tenet once again being pushed back. And in, in this case, uh, it's a plot twist. It's uh, removed entirely from the release schedule as Warner Brothers retools its strategy on how to release a film wide during a global pandemic. A lot of theater owners uh, across the nation and around the world are asking themselves how much longer they can hold out without new releases. Now, uh, major chains are certainly affected by this, but they are in a slightly better position in that they are anchor tenants in a lot of the shopping malls or retail spaces that they're currently in, meaning that if a movie theater isn't going to be filling that space, it's going to be very difficult to find someone else in a recovering economy to take that over. That isn't the case for independent cinemas, however. They are in a significantly more difficult position. And uh, Rebecca, I know that you spent last week speaking a little bit to representatives from the Independent Cinema Alliance. Could you tell us a little bit more about your conversations there? Absolutely. So uh, the Independent Cinema Alliance is a, uh, a trade group that represents and supports independent cinemas across the United States. Now, that, that actually encompasses a lot of different types of cinemas. There's your typical, like, just independent cinema that plays first-run studio content. There are art house cinemas that, uh, that play more maybe, you know, repertory independent films. And then, you know, there are quite a few uh, ICA members who are drive-in theaters, which, as we know from, from previous episodes of this podcast and, and from things that we've written on, on boxoffice.com, they're actually doing pretty well right now. <laughs> but for the most part, with indoor independent theaters, uh, ICA members, they're really not doing super hot. I don't think uh, that will surprise anyone. Uh, I went into sort of the details of what the present and the future holds for independent cinemas in the United States with Byron Berkeley. He is the president and treasurer of the ICA, as, as well as being an independent exhibitor in his own right. He has two independent cinemas, both in Texas. It's the Four Star Cinema, located in Kilgore, Texas, about two hours away from Dallas. In recent weeks, we've, we've uh, highlighted the experiences of, of different independent cinemas across the U.S., like Baltimore's X-Act and, and the Cranford Theater in New Jersey. This week, we have clips from my interview with Byron Berkeley. You know, I really just wanted to speak with him, not only in his uh, position as president of the ICA, but also, you know, in his position as a theater owner to find out what's going on with his theater. And, uh, you know, I don't think it'll surprise anyone listening to this podcast that it's, it's, not, uh, it, it's not a particularly rosy situation. Initially, it looked bad. The ICA was really uh, instrumental in working with studios to come to favorable terms on repertory content so that independent cinemas could 
continue to screen things even before uh, the major studios put out new releases. So as we're seeing things like, uh, you know, obviously Goonies, The Empire Strikes Back, Byron's own theater, uh, The Four Star, I think is currently running Ghostbusters. But the expectation for Byron, for independent cinema owners, and, uh, you know, I think for, for the industry in general in the United States, was that they would have to stay open and they would have to keep going on this repertory content for a couple weeks until, until Tenet came around. I, I spoke with, uh, with, with Byron a few days before the original July 17th release date of Tenet, and he told me, you know, in a normal year right now, we would be selling out right now, and uh, right now we're going, you know, we have maybe 20, 30 tickets that we're selling a day. So, you know, he, he was under the, we, everyone was kind of hoping that we would need to kind of keep our heads above water as an industry for a few weeks. And that's turning into months. As it turned out, the new product that we were expecting hasn't uh, come about yet. So mm-hmm. we're, we're still waiting for it. So, but that was a decision. It was based on what we thought at that time anyway, was going to be some first run product. Uh, being available to us. And of course, we didn't anticipate the uh, the increase in virus infections that has occurred here. And of course, that brought in some other changes where the, you know, the state, you know, initially restricted how many seats we could sell. And then they came back later and relaxed that. But then they came back and said, well, but now everybody has to start wearing masks. So we've been kind of bouncing back and forth between all these different uh, requirements and regulations and and uh, expected dates for a product to be released. So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, I guess kind of like a a uh, pinball game. We just don't know where that uh, where, where the metal ball is going to land next. You know. So you know, something that is proving more difficult for independent cinemas in the long term, actually, Byron says, was less difficult in the short term. I would say it's less difficult for an independent theater because you don't have the Certainly, you don't have the overhead. You don't have the financial obligations that the major circuits do. You don't have the limitations, I guess, to some extent uh, that they probably are confronted with. So I think it's easier for an independent theater at this point probably to to have opened and, and, and probably to some extent to even remain open. So independent cinemas uh, can be more nimble. You know, it was easier for them to close. You know, according according to Byron, it was easier for them to remain open for a time. And it's easier for them to close again if they need to. Though ultimately, you know, he did fully acknowledge that having to reclose again would seriously damage public trust. People aren't necessarily going to trust when you reopen again that it's going to be safe to do so. And that's real unfortunate uh, because it's looking like they might have to reclose again. That leads us to uh, this next quote from Byron where he talks about, you know, the situation that he that his theater might be in if Tenet moves again, which, of course, as we know, it did. We're seeing just a handful of people every day coming to the movies. We're sensing that the public is afraid to, you know, be confined in a theater. So they're just staying away. That's that's what I'm getting from that side of the business. Mm. I don't know. I don't know of any indoor theaters that I'm that I've talked to. Uh, none of them have a different story. Now there may be one or two here and there that are doing okay, 
but uh, if there are, I haven't—I don't know who they are because all the ones that I'm familiar with are, are saying the same thing. And that's an issue that, that Byron as president of the ICA is seeing across the board. Uh, people just aren't going to independent cinemas, of course, unless they're drive-ins because that safety concerns associated with indoor theaters aren't there as much. Independent cinemas right now are, are in a very tough spot. You know, they're they're more nimble, as we mentioned before, when it comes to reopening, uh, maybe even staying open short term. But in the long term, you know, they don't have the investment that, that larger chains do. They don't have the connection that larger chains do um, with other huge companies. And, you know, we could be seeing an acceleration of something that we've seen, you know, in the last handful of years, which is a, a consolidation uh, in North America uh, of, of cinemas. And I would hate for it to happen. And I, and I don't want to say it <laughs> for fear that it will bring it into existence, but a lot of independent cinemas closing. Uh, I mean, Daniel, I, I know this is something that, that you're very interested in. The way things are in Mexico and Canada right now, kind of, we could see a bit of the future of the United States theatrical dis- exhibition in a way. Absolutely. And as much as I value and appreciate the the great innovations that that the chains in, in Canada and Mexico have, have contributed to the industry, and, and, and they certainly have, I think the movie going experience in those countries is, is phenomenal. It is a movie-going experience in these neighboring markets that is dominated by two corporate players, meaning it's not like in the United States where independent cinemas have a large representation across the country. And that has ripple effects when it comes down to programming, when it comes down to uh, innovations and offerings that uh, at the end of the day, I personally think that what sets the U.S. market apart beyond just box office numbers is that diversity in the exhibition landscape. You have a lot of independents. You have established multinational players. You have regional chains. That's something that if we continue to see the levels of consolidation that we've seen in the industry in other countries, we might not have coming out of this crisis. I do think that cinemas are going to survive this pandemic, but I think our hope, Rebecca, is that we will still be able to see that diversity within cinemas and ownership of those cinemas once we get to the other side of this. I think you're essentially correct that the the, the, the major circuits operations will survive. Uh, they have to. I mean, number one is that they are all highly leveraged financially and and their lenders uh investors lenders are are not going to let them fail because if they do fail then they're defaulting on you know huge liabilities that nobody wants to eat those so so they will survive and they will manage to stay open one way or the other plus the fact that they are the they are the bread and butter for the for, for the studios i mean the studios don't survive on grosses that I generate or people like me generate. We, we're, you know, we don't add enough to the bottom line to, to even be measurable. Uh, and so, uh, there you, you have a, you have essentially, uh, an unholy alliance. You have the studios, the lenders, and then you have the circuits and all three of those are interdependent upon one another to survive. So they're going to they're going to survive one way or the other because if one of them goes down, the rest of them go down. 
And that was Byron Berkeley from the Independent Cinema Alliance, once again, sharing uh, his viewpoints on the impact that this crisis has had on the independent exhibition community. Now, Rebecca, in in, in your conversations, uh, did Byron share any ideas in how studios and distributors can help independence during this disruption? There's some good news and some bad news. Bad news first is that, you know, I asked him, what can studios do to help independent cinemas during this time? And his response was, they're pretty much already doing it. You know, they they made their, their repertory content available. He used the term digestible, which I really like. You know, there's only so much studios can do. And according to Byron, they're doing it. You know, you, you can't, it doesn't matter how many uh, repertory titles you release, they're not going to make people not scared of getting coronavirus. So for the time being, it's, you know, crossing your fingers and waiting it out, uh, you know, barring any, any you know, hoped for uh, government assistance just to really provide a financial boost to small businesses, both cinemas and, you know, in a bunch of other different fields. However, the good news, um, you know, he did have some suggestions about ways that the industry could uh, course correct or maybe change a few things, you know, in the coming months after cinemas open up that make it easier for independent cinemas to recover. Now, one of these things, I think it's really interesting that he said, um, you know, a lot of Uh, the distribution strategies that studios have right now are still kind of stuck in the era of film, not digital. And there's really a a way to uh, rethink the way that films are released from market to market and kind of bring things into the 21st century as as the industry starts to recover from COVID. I guess the, the thing that I would like to see them do is to open up all of their release schedules so every picture that they released was available to all theaters at all times. In other words, as you know right now, uh, a picture goes wide nationally uh, and it'll, of course, it'll open all the major markets and it'll open with all the certain operations, but then a lot of smaller markets will be uh, put on a maybe a one or two or three week uh, delay before they can open with a picture. So uh, I think if there was to do anything, if they could do it or would do anything for, for independent theaters, I would think that it would be a uniform uh, release date where everybody that wanted to play the picture could play it with no exceptions, no qualifications. As long as you pay your bills and you, you're, you don't owe us a lot of money, we'll let you open any picture you want to open when you want it. And I, if that's, that's the one thing that they probably could do to help independence. That's the one single complaint that we hear from independents about studio policies is the fact that they don't always want to make all pictures available at all times. And of course, content availability is going to continue being a concern as the pandemic continues with uh, no clear end in sight. During this crisis, the National Association of Theater Owners uh, just released a campaign called Save Your Cinema, which is asking uh, moviegoers and people who support the theatrical exhibition industry to help the cinema industry in the United States 
by lobbying to their local representatives. They are calling on Congress uh, to help urge the Treasury and the Fed to help businesses like movie theaters that are in distress right now. Uh, Right now, they're looking for the full implementation of the CARES Act, which was the original aid package that was given to a lot of businesses in need during the pause. But they're also pushing Congress to help pass the Restart Act, which will provide additional aid to those industries like cinemas that continue to be affected. Because as you note, Rebecca, it's uh, one thing to be allowed to reopen, but it's another thing altogether when you consider the social and uh, ethical context that 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 entails. Uh, There's a lot of people concerned about the virus. There's a lot of uh, workers at these cinemas also concerned about reopening. I think the entire industry wants to make sure that the reopening effort is done as uh, safely as possible, and this aid will help these businesses uh, survive Will they take these difficult decisions during this crisis. Totally. I mean, th- th- there are going to have to be some big long-term changes to this industry, you know, over, over the coming years to make it as healthy as it could be. But independent cinemas have to stay alive long enough to reach that point. And I really hope they do. And talking about independent cinemas. <laughs> so, Daniel, did you... I mean, where where I grew up, there were a lot of independent cinemas. I mean, the ones that I went to were independent cinemas that then like got acquired by Regal mostly. (laughs) What what was the situation in in your, did you go to independent cinemas growing up? You know, I I grew up in in several different countries across Latin America. And as I noted earlier, there really isn't a big independent presence in those countries. I grew up in Mexico, uh, my native country, as well as Brazil and, and Guatemala. And there really wasn't too much else other than chains uh, while I was there. When we moved to the U.S. uh, on a more semi-permanent basis in Miami in the late 90s, the market there was also pretty much dominated by, by chains. I didn't really have an independent cinema in my rotation, I guess, until my parents briefly moved to, not too far from where you come from, Rebecca, to Greensboro, North Carolina, where they uh, frequented the Carousel Theater, uh, an independent theater there, which is now uh, known as Red Cinemas in in Greensboro. That was my first sort of experience with an independent cinema. That technically isn't a repertory house and isn't an art house either. Those two I've I've been going to for for quite a bit in different places. How about yourself? Do you have any sort of independence even today here in New York? I mean, the one, there was one in in Charlotte that, like I said, there were a lot of independent cinemas, but there was one independent art house uh, called the Manor Twin that was acquired uh, was acquired by Regal. Uh, but you could still go see a lot of the sort of Wes Anderson that kind of tier of stuff. Like it wasn't super obscure, but it, but it wasn't like gigantic budget superhero action movies. It's like the Judy Dench, yeah, type of independent. You know, like focus features, and then you'll have a couple. It was that. It was it was searchlight pictures type stuff, and you know, for a long time in Charlotte, that was like the only place really you could see that stuff. And um, actually, they've announced um, they're not they're not reopening. They're like closing permanently oh, no. for good. Oh. No, and those, those, are, those are the those are the things that really sort of affect these communities. Uh, you know, as as we move forward, these locations that, to see this type of movie. I can tell you, living in Miami during high school, it was really tough for me to see anything from even Fox Searchlight or or Focus Features, or even Sony Pictures Classics. I mean, we'd have to drive out to the 
to the Regal in South Beach to get, you know, two or three showtimes of the latest Woody Allen movie. Or maybe you'd get a Sofia Coppola movie, you know, in Coconut Grove at the at the AMC during that period. But it was really, really tough to even find those films. And uh, a lot of that independent American cinema from the late 90s, I ended up not watching until I got to college and saw it on DVD. And now, I mean, you and I were both, we're both in New York and, and we have an abundance of independent cinemas uh, to go to, you know, and they play everything from, you know, low budget independent films to, to large studio releases. But I mean, you know, I think both of us, you know, growing up in, in, in various places that are outside of, of major markets, independent cinemas are, are essential there. Even if they do play the big studio stuff, just, just to have a variety um, I, I think is is so is so needed and is so important and I mean that and that's another thing that Byron said is that you know smaller markets maybe don't tend to be appreciated as much by studios because honestly they don't contribute a ton to the bottom lines uh, of these films but but really they're an essential part of filmmaking culture I mean I'm you know how many people came from these places that don't have independent cinema and but 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 found a love of film you, you want people to be able to to find a love of film and to find a love of film going you know even if they don't live in New York LA Chicago you know one of the major markets these are discovery places for for films and then there are also places for weird kids like us growing up uh, to go to on the weekend to have something to do when when we weren't really interested in in the other alternatives uh, you know that were going on socially uh, and beyond that uh, they are job generators and job creators for a lot of teenagers it, cinemas are the first time jobs for a lot of folks these independent cinemas. Uh, rely on a lot of folks that uh, are just entering into the workforce, uh, especially during the summer. When we lose them, I think it's going to be a very difficult thing to get back that has a huge effect beyond just box office numbers. Thank you again, Rebecca, for sharing those insights from your conversation with the Independent Cinema Alliance's Byron Berkeley. This has been the Box Office Podcast. Thank you again for listening. If you like us, don't forget to subscribe. We are available on Apple, Spotify, and all other major platforms. If you especially like us, please leave a rating and review. We appreciate it. If you can't wait to see us until next week, you can visit all our coverage at boxofficepro.com where we have a daily news updates on everything in exhibition. The Box Office Podcast is produced by Caitlin Kehoe and Record Edit Podcast. This episode was written by Rebecca Polly, and we look forward to joining you again next week with another episode. Thanks again. Thanks again.